Hello again and welcome to the Christmas edition of Curving Conversation and the final episode of 2021. So first of all, can I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and remind you that during the festive season, the two Christmas shows at Curve, A Chorus Line and The Smeds and The Smooths continue their runs until New Year's Eve. Then you can look forward to a very Happy New Year because there is so much to look forward to in 2022. Make sure you check out everything that's coming up at Curve in the latest brochure or go to curveonline.co.uk. Now in this episode, we'll catch up with Chelsea Halfpenny, the star of the Sarah Bareilles musical Waitress, and Carly Mercedes Dyer, who plays Cassie in a chorus line. But first, once again this Christmas, Curve are partners with the organisation Charity Link to offer free tickets to its family Christmas production. Supported by Pucker Pies, Curve will share a special performance of Julia Donaldson and Axel Scheffler's The Smeds and The Smooths, produced by acclaimed theatre company Tall Stories. The show will be held exclusively for local children and families who are supported by Charity Link and its network of agencies. Director of Marketing and Fundraising for Charity Link is Sue McAniff. How are you, Sue? Hello, Martin. Lovely to join you today. First of all, just tell us a little bit about Charity Link, its history and background, because it's been around since 1876, although I have to say you weren't there at the very beginning, were you? (laughs) I've been here a long time, but not that long, I'm glad to say. We were established in 1876 and our our official name is Leicester Charity Organisation Society, which is very Victorian. And we were set up by business people locally and um, we were one of a number of branches right across England um, supporting people and it really was the first touch into social work where it'd be on a case basis and it would be looking how to support people move forward in their lives rather than an over-reliance on charity as they saw it at the time. And as time has gone by, um, the welfare state was introduced and whether our trustees through a particular foresight or stubbornness decided that we would continue the work, whereas the other charity organisation societies either merged or they closed their operations because they believe the welfare system would be picking up that piece of work. And here we are still today in 2021, still supporting vulnerable people, still doing that core work of ensuring that local people have the very essential things that they need. And there have been some challenging times over the last 140 years or so, not least the two world wars, Spanish flu and so on. But in more recent years, of course, the 18 months or so of COVID-19 has been particularly challenging, hasn't it? Yes. Well, I mean, our predecessors, you said they've supported people through two world wars and Spanish flu. And uh, we got hit with COVID, which has been extremely challenging time. Obviously, many challenges for the organisation. But, you know, most importantly, the challenges that's presented to local people in need. We've operated throughout the pandemic and so far we have supported over 10,000 local people of which 4,000 were children and we've distributed £1.3 million worth of essential goods such as beds, cookers, clothing and food. Wow, that's absolutely incredible, isn't it? Uh, Just tell us how this partnership with Curve came about, because I think you first came together in 2018, didn't you? That's right. We partnered up with Curve back in 2018 and it was an idea that 
came about through a conversation about how we could offer an extra special Christmas treat. Because obviously what we're about is you know, supporting people in essential items, making sure they've got a bed to sleep on, a cooker so they can prepare a hot meal, a fridge to store fresh fruit, clothes to wear. But this was trying to offer something over and above what we do to add an extra special gift at Christmas, but also to enable families and particularly children to access a space that they wouldn't have the opportunity to do so. So we worked with Curve in 2018 and we had local businesses and individuals sponsoring seats and that was really successful. And then in 2019, Curve came back to us and said, uh, so Ian McKellen was on his 80th birthday tour and he was raising funds and they wanted to sponsor the performance of Giraffes Can't Dance for our families. So we repeated the exercise in 2019. Obviously, we couldn't do anything in 2020. And then we were so pleased that Pucker Pies had sponsored the Smeeds and the Smooths and that we could, again, partnership up with Curve this year, particularly now because we know what a difficult wind well we've not only have we been through covid and we're still seeing the impact of covid and we're still in the pandemic but this winter is going to be particularly difficult for vulnerable families with the increase of cost of living and still experiencing that impact of covid that we can offer something over and above what we do a festive treat a bit of escapism for our family and inspire our young families and children that there is something more out there. And it is a family time after all, isn't it? Christmas is all about family. So if you can put an extra bit of joy into their lives, so much the better. What's been the reaction in previous years? So it must be amazing to see the kids with their eyes lighting up and the families with smiles on their faces. Oh, it's, it's really is quite extraordinary, Martin. I've been there when we did the first performance and the seeing the families come in and, and reassuring them that you know this is a safe space for them and guiding them around and uh, looking after them and the children I mean their faces were just alight and that's before they even seen the performance and when they came back out oh my word I was actually um, this was six months but yeah a good six months afterwards I happened just to be shopping in in the city it was in the summertime after the first performance that we did and one of the families came up to me because they'd seen me and they just came up to say thank you again I mean god they were so thankful at the time but they came up to say thank you and she said her little boy he must have been about five or six at the time he had not stopped talking about it every day since that Christmas about the performance that he saw at the curve that's how much it meant to him and you know being able to do that and give that extra gift is just extraordinary and something I'm very very proud to be involved in. And it's really important for the theatre isn't it? I mean its main aim is to make Curve totally inclusive, accessible to everybody in the community and these are the sort of people who may never ordinarily go to the theatre. Absolutely you know there's so you know I know how inclusive Curve you know are aiming to be and want to be and it's a space for the whole community and being able to support them in that programme and being able to give the ability of our families to actually be able to go is is a wonderful piece of work and I'd love to keep working with Curve and their sponsors to keep that going because it means so much and I can talk from personal experience. I grew up in Birmingham and um, I was you know, a child, I was on free school meals at points in my childhood and we were in the welfare system and we were reading Shakespeare 
at school, at secondary school, and it just completely went over my head. I had no interest whatsoever, I have to admit. <laughs> but they had organised for us to go to the Birmingham Rep to see Twelfth Night. I've never been to the theatre before, you know, never had that experience of what a theatre was or anything like that. And we went and um, it was Twelfth Night, but it was done in Caribbean style. And suddenly Shakespeare, I understood it, I got it, I got the jokes, I got the plot and it blew my mind, it absolutely blew my mind, Martin. I'd never seen anything like it before and I can still remember how I felt and I suddenly realised there was a wider world that I didn't know existed and it inspired me not just to, you know, understand Shakespeare but what else was out there, what other performances could I possibly go to and it just opened up a whole new world and that was from my own personal experience and I still look back at it now and I know exactly how I felt as a teenage girl um, watching that performance. Absolutely. Access to the arts is really important. We're social animals, of course, and the arts enrich every part of our daily lives. Tickets will be given to children and their families to come and not just enjoy the show because they will get other things as well, refreshments and even a visit from Santa. Absolutely, because it's part that is part of the um, theatre experience, isn't it? You know, you go in, you get a drink or you get some ice cream and that is part of it. We want to ensure that our families can experience the full experience of being in the theatre and obviously the extra special VIP guest of Santa, particularly at this time of year where like we, we know how much our families are struggling to keep the heating on, put food on the table, let alone to buy Christmas presents and for children to go away with an extra special gift from Santa was definitely the um, icing on the cake. Well look it's fabulous the work that you do at Charity Link 365 days of the year not just at Christmas and if you're listening now and you think that Charity Link might be able to help you or you know somebody who might benefit from Charity Link then go to the website charity-link.org charity-link.org and you can find out more about tickets for the performance of the Smeds and the Smooths as well. Sue, thank you so much for talking to us. A Merry Christmas to you, everybody at Charity Link and all of the families that benefit each year. Thank you, Martin. A Merry Christmas to you too. Now next, in last month's episode of Curving Conversation, you may remember we went behind the scenes of the Christmas musical A Chorus Line. The Marvin Hamlish and Edward Kleban show continues its run until New Year's Eve and playing the role of Cassie is Carly Mercedes Dyer. A return to curve for her in a very different role because you may remember she played Anita in West Side Story. A completely different (laughs) character. Not as spicy, I would say, as... um... Anita, but still ferocious in her own sense as a sort of amazing panther-like dancer is what I'm trying to inhabit. Uh, Hopefully I'm doing that (laughs) on stage. (laughs) Yeah, the interesting thing is the chemistry as well between you and Zach. Mm. Uh, Cassie and Zach have had a previous relationship and and Zach is surprised to see you Mm -hmm. auditioning for this chorus line. So the chemistry between the two of you has to be there and it certainly is in the rehearsal room, I have to say. Yes, it's amazing working with um, Adam. He's got such focus. And I mean, he is this all-encompassing human being that just has this presence as a person anyway. So, excuse me, to work opposite him is a dream and just he's so generous as Mm -hmm. well. So it's hard not to have chemistry, I suppose, with him. It's always nice when you work with someone that you feel like they elevate your game. And um, 
you feel like there's a union with you. So it's amazing. Like today we were doing our um, our scene where we kind of first have a conversation without everyone's prying eyes and their ears. And it's been nice to kind of find the levels and the change in kind of like um, atmosphere and dynamic, I suppose. Mm. Um, so it's not just all kind of like, what are you doing here? It's more kind of like trying to have that jovial sense that she wants a job and she's trying not to kind of like drag up the past and she just wants to keep it light. But then when you've been in a relationship with someone for so long and it's ended on terms that you haven't been able to kind of like get that closure, there's no way and it's inevitable that you go back to that space where it's just like, what are we doing? Because it can't just be about that one thing, even though she really wants it to be just about getting a job. I mean, it's a real insight into the industry for a lot of people. Mm. Um, hopefully the industry of 1975, not so much of today. <laughs> yeah. But the interesting side, and I've spoken to lots of other people about this in the show, it's the personal stories that are relatable to the audience and that's the insight really and Cassie's story is an interesting one as well isn't it because she thought she was the triple threat mm -hmm. she may not be the triple threat on the other hand she may be mm -hmm. is it the fact that she says she can't act that she believes it or have people just told her that well I think it's very clear because I feel like a lot of the time in our industry you get put into a box and like even in my career, I felt like people saw me as a dancer. So it was like, oh, you're a dancer that can kind of sing. And then I always had that struggle where I'd go into an audition if I was singing first. I was like, well, I can sing and I can dance. So it's more I'm a singer than I'm a dancer. <laughs> so whatever happens, you feel like a chameleon. You're like, oh, the more I do of one thing, I'm more that. But um, I think a lot can be said for the people that you surround yourself with, the people that are directing you, that cast you in things, because they can kind of put these false ideas into your head and then they kind of marinate and become bigger and um, they kind of like escalate and then you go well if they've said it then it must be true because they're mm. in those positions so I think this show can be one that is um, dangerous in an amazing sense that you're kind of like being vulnerable and opening yourselves up to the audience and they get to experience not just the glamour of theatre and being like oh my goodness you're in a gold costume it's all glitz and glamour yeah. but then at the same time you see that there are people behind the facade behind the people that are acting we're always acting to be like a better version of ourselves even though there's someone that's in there that's so timid and it's like oh my goodness am I good enough but then at the same time you kind of come into a space and go well just because you say I can't act doesn't mean I can't act and it's just in what world do you fit into so it's always changing in our industry is what I think and also the same with Cassie's story because she goes to Hollywood and she's like I'm going to be an actress and they're just like no we see that you're a dancer says on here a lot you're a dancer like I had an experience where I went to an audition at I think it was it was an acting company let's yeah. say and um, they were like oh you've done an awful lot of uh, musicals and I was like mm. And I was like, I thought I was doing quite well. And you've just said awful lot of musicals. Like, that's a bad thing. Mm. But I just think it's um, it's kind of naive to say that and in some ways a little bit rude and condescending because we're able to do all three. Yeah. And as much as you're a dancer, you still have to act through your physical movement and portray something. It's not just like dancing for the sake of shapes. You're kind of putting something across an emotion, what it is that your intentions are. So when it comes to singing, dancing and acting, I mean, to not to put that down is just like I think it's ludicrous really so you know it's um, a skill that many should be envious of and celebrate yeah. <laughs> absolutely I think the, the moral in there as well is you know although 
we may all look the same or we may all be you know grouped together mm. as human beings we're all individuals as mm -hmm. well and that's the key yeah. when you're all in your costumes at the end of the show and everybody looks the same it's almost like a uniform yeah. isn't it um the audience are thinking yeah they are but they're not all the same because mm -hmm. we've heard their stories yeah, yeah. and that's a moral for us all to take yeah. note of isn't it and also it's a skill in itself to be able to show that vulnerability know that we're all completely different from all different sides of the world we're all completely different in our views but at the same time we can come together and be unified and it's a beautiful thing to know that we can all kind of live in this harmony and create something spectacular without being like oh you think that or you don't think that or you come from a different background you're tall you're short you're whatever but it just means that we can all come together and still create something so beautiful and harmonious so I think it's a great message for the world even outside of musical theatre because that's what theatre does. It kind of opens our eyes and educates us into other people's lifestyles and other people's views and just, I think it's a beautiful thing that as much as someone would think, oh, a chorus line, it's just a musical, mm -hmm. it's doing so much more. Yeah, especially after COVID, we need mm. that as well, don't we? Yeah. It's been an interesting experience for you, mm -hmm. uh, the whole COVID thing, because um, you were due to go into six. Mm -hmm. um, that didn't happen because of COVID. And then eventually you couldn't do that anyway because you had the greatest opportunity <laughs> to do anything goes. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a strange way to get there, but uh -huh. that was a fabulous job, wasn't it? Yeah, I absolutely adore that show. And I mean, um, my character Irma is so much fun. And I think... Um, Six is an amazing show as well because it's just so upbeat, so integral to the world and empowering women and just a good night out. And it's a global sensation, yeah. rightly so. But then at the same time, you've got Anything Goes, which is a lot more classic. And I think some people, they hadn't really heard of it. And I knew the songs in the show, but not so much the story. But that's also another perfect tonic for coming out of pandemic because it's the comedy, the lighthearted, and it's just like a raucous night out. I mean, there's been people that have come to see the show that were huge fans of Six and they were like oh it wasn't really my cup of tea um, me thinking about Anything Goes then saw the show and they're like oh my goodness I'm not really into the old school musicals but like it was so funny I'm like yeah because you've got a whole scene that's a, about a stuffed dog yeah. and it's just like it's absolutely ludicrous and like walking on in some of the lines that we say it's just so snappy so smart and so um, quick paced yeah. so um, I think it was an amazing show to kind of like burst back onto the scene especially after everything that we've all absolutely. been absolutely great songs um, mm. great stories uh, some comedy a lot yeah. of comedy in there and you know who doesn't love a fantastic tap routine oh, with an goodness. ensemble filling the stage absolutely epic I remember seeing um, them perform Anything Goes well we obviously didn't have the tier system so they were all on the floor in our um, studio that we were rehearsing in and I remember getting goosebumps just like oh my goodness look at all of those people tapping together yeah. and the sound that they make and just the way it builds and builds and you think oh it must be near the end and then no you get more people involved and then it comes back and they kind of all do it together and then the vocal comes back and you're just like oh my goodness it was just <laughs> even thinking about it, it gives me goosebumps um so you know and also to work with such huge amazing talents like across the board mm. from our principals to our supporting company to our um our company as well you just go oh my goodness it, it was just dynamite. It was dynamite because you were getting to learn from so many different age groups and just the effervescence and the talent and the commitment was just unreal. So Such an incredible variety of work yeah. that you're doing and um, Christmas in Leicester. Christmas in Leicester. I love Leicester. So it's so nice to be back. I mean, this show is a beast and I couldn't think of a better place to be putting it on because the creative vision, Nikolai, Ellen, David, Tamara, everyone that comes together to put this show on. I mean, it's been tough but I think the end product is going to be something really special and we did um, film our trailer 
last Friday. And um, I mean, just seeing the footage that someone got on their phone, like one of the swings, it makes you go, this is all worth it because mm. it just gives you, it ignites something inside of yourself because the opening is, I hope I get it. And you're doing it and you're like, I hope I get it. We know we've got the job, but then you have that extra fire to go, oh my goodness, this is going to be something completely truly and completely special so when you see that you go okay okay this is why i'm doing it keep plowing forward as much as you're thinking what are the steps or what are my lines what are my intentions you know that the end goal is going to be something absolutely spectacular and the audience are really in for a treat so. and in many ways you're telling every performer's story aren't oh you my gosh. because everybody who's ever performed will be able to relate to that audition yeah. process and the the characters yeah we're not only relating to the people within our industry we're also um, reaching out to those people that don't know what we do. So a lot of the time when they're like, oh, just do something else. It's like, we can't do something else because this is like so innately in us. It's something that is so natural that as much as we might not always get the opportunity, mm. it's like, you have to do it. It's the want, it's the the urge. It's that thing that comes out of you that's just like, I have to be doing this. But at the same time, I also think that everyone has that want and desire to do the thing that they love. So even if you're not in musical theatre, even if you're not into acting, if you're not into the arts, if you're really striving to be a nurse, to be a bus driver, to work in McDonald's, that urge and that want to do those things, you know that you're not going to stop at anything to get it. So I think it's a universal show that really reaches many people. Well, listen, have a great run and a very Merry Christmas in Leicester. And thanks for talking to us. Thank you so much. Come and see us. <laughs> Well, finally, on this edition of Curving Conversation, my next guest will star in the Sarah Bareilles musical Waitress when it comes to Curve at the end of January after taking over the lead in the show from Lucy Jones. The niece of actress Jill Halfpenny is a familiar face on television from Biker Grove to soaps like Emmerdale and Casualty. But this time, she's going to be serving up a mix of laughs and drama in the role of Waitress Jenna, an expert pie maker who lives in a small town and dreams of finding a way out of her loveless marriage. Chelsea Halfpenny, how are you? Hello, I'm really good. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Let's start by talking about your background, if we can, in the Northeast. Like so many other actors and performers, you and your auntie Jill got your first big break, really, with Biker Grove, didn't you? Yeah, um, I, I feel like we both got into it in the same way as well. My nana found an article in the local newspaper advertising the audition for Biker Grove for me, and it sort of said that they were looking for kids born between I think like 91 and 1990 so she was like oh um why don't you go and audition for it so and, and I wasn't I didn't attend like a theatre school or anything at that point but I think they knew that I basically uh you know loved to show off or <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I used to I tend to do like little monologues to myself in the mirror um all the time <laughs> uh, so you know they must have seen there was an interest so yeah turned up to this uh, sort of community hall with about 100 kids and did about five rounds of auditions and ended up getting it and then was in the show for four years which you know for a 10 year old is pretty cool it was pretty amazing experience and it got me out of school a little bit which uh, <laughs> I was pretty happy with. So was that the very first time you ever performed or had you done school shows and so on? Uh, no I mean my school wasn't uh, we didn't really do shows so yeah I guess it was. Wow. Um, I think I've been to like a summer school once but it was actually a singing thing. I think acting I think I didn't realize that it was a separate or that it could be a separate thing to singing. I think I thought that it was just, you just do it all. You know, like, I think I just thought of musical theatre. So I think I never thought, oh, I want to be an actor. 
I think I just liked, um, yeah, showing off, basically. <laughs> I tell you what, since then, you have literally done it all, haven't you? Long runs in both Emmerdale and Casualty, amongst others. Uh, and it was really Biker Grove that opened that door for you, but it really took off, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think in between all of these things, there has been large amounts of time. Like, obviously, after Biker Grove, I just stayed in school because I was only 14 when that finished. So, um, and I didn't get Emmerdale until I think I was 18. Um, so I just concentrated on school, but I managed to get an agent from Bain and Bike Grove. Um, so that's how I got the opportunity for Emmerdale. And then, yeah, I was really lucky to stay in that for three years and decided to move on and then happened to get a part in Casualty as well and was there for about four years yeah. all, all in all. And I absolutely loved both of those experiences. Um, it was really hard to sort of choose to leave both. But I think I just thought, you know, I'm in my 20s or, and I just want to go and, and sort of try the things and, and get better at my craft. So for all that time while you were in the television series, were you singing or not? Yeah, I've always liked singing. Um, it's even like when I was in Emmerdale, I was sort of having singing lessons in my own time. And then I moved to London and I got a singing teacher here. And then when I was in Casualty, I wasn't having singing lessons as much, but I was doing sort of like acoustic um, live sessions, like um, in cafes and bars and stuff. Just because I liked it, it's always been something that I just, I find it really therapeutic and I love it and I love musical theatre. So I didn't know if it would ever become part of my job, but I thought I'll just do it anyway because I, I love it. So, yeah, I think people think that I've just sort of decided to do musical theatre now, but it's always been on my radar. But I think, you know, you can't always be choosy in this industry. And it just happens that because I started off in TV, it just sort of continued down that path for, for the most part until obviously recently. And of course, your West End musical theatre debut in a leading role came at the Savoy in the Dolly Parton musical Nine to Five, another show driven by empowered women as the central characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because I was so... Um, I feel like I've been like this with all of the jobs that I've ended up getting. But you know when an audition comes through and I'm just like, well, this is never going to happen. <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't have any musical theatre experience just yet and for it to be a West End sort of leading lady, I was just like, there's, there's no way. So I think I went in with the... <laughs> I think my attitude was probably better because I thought, well, you may as well just have fun, put no pressure on it because this is just... I had auditioned for a few musicals, but not that many, so... I was just using it as an audition experience as well. But I thought the script was brilliant. I liked that the character was funny because I really enjoy playing those kind of characters. And after being in a soap where you tend to not get, or at least my characters weren't particularly funny, that was really refreshing. And then I had this massive song to sing as well, which just felt huge. But anyway, yeah, a brilliant musical for women. Yeah. I was alongside the amazing Caroline Sheen and Natalie McQueen, who have done so much um, in their careers that that was really amazing as well because obviously I was naturally slightly terrified and I just had the support of these two women but also they have the experience so I just feel like I learned so much from them as well. And a beautiful theatre, the Savoy, isn't it? Oh my gosh, yeah. And funnily enough, the Savoy is one of those theatres that I have a lot of memories from because my Auntie Jill did Legally Blonde there um, years ago and so I feel like 
that was one of my first experiences of seeing musical theatre and it was so special because she was in the show um so it was really nice to sort of come full circle and then be doing the show there myself because I remember going in her dressing room and stuff and being like wow this is so cool so for that to then be you know for for then for me to have a dressing room was just yeah it was really cool and this role in waitress is uh, the role of another empowered woman um obviously it's a very different story it's it's uplifting certainly and yeah but it's challenging isn't it it's challenging but in the best way i've loved the songs from this show for many many years and then when it came to london i was so excited to see it because it's super uplifting it is it's it's a rom-com and who doesn't love a (laughs) rom-com but it's also super empowering to not just women just to everyone but what is brilliant about waitress is that it is led by a female creative team so obviously the person that wrote the songs was sarah borellis and uh, the book is by jesse nelson it's directed by diane paulus and choreographed by lauren lataro so that's an amazing thing in itself because it's quite rare that that happens and they've just created this beautiful hilarious super uplifting show about sort of friendship and love and pies so who doesn't love that (laughs) absolutely and and of course you know people talk about triple threat in musical theatre this is a quadruple threat because you you literally pretty much bake on stage I mean you mix the ingredients in front of the audience the bakeography if I can call it that is incredible as well and just tell us for those who haven't seen the show a little bit about Jenna because her life is turned around when she learns about a baking contest and that's really the inspiration for her to sort of move her life in a different direction isn't it yeah exactly so she's a waitress um, in a small town and she's an expert pie maker and she makes all of these pies from scratch every day in this diner but what we realize pretty early on is that she bakes a lot of her problems into her pie so this is how she expresses herself and they've all got really funny names and yeah she's well known within the community for being this amazing pie maker and she's in a very unhappy marriage but she's got this amazing support network at work with uh, the other two waitresses, Becky and Dawn, um, played by the amazing Sandra Marvin and the brilliant Evie Hoskins, who are genuinely just so talented, so funny and so brilliant. So they, they, they have this amazing friendship. Each of them have sort of problems going on in their life and they just sort of face them together. And Jenna sort of meets this um, new doctor that comes to town who's this sort of quirky but really warm, really good looking uh, guy. (laughs) Um, And life sort of gets complicated and she has to face her problems and it all just starts to sort of unravel and there's a really beautiful ending. And what I love about Waitress is that it shows that humans are flawed and I think that's really lovely and really important and that's what really drew me to it it feels really real which is nice for me to come from a tv background where obviously a lot of that is really real and and so it's really nice that I get to mix the two it feels like I mean it is such an uplifting show it's refreshing as you say to have strong central female characters a female creative team and I, I get the feeling as well, it's a great sort of family on the show. It's a real ensemble piece in many ways. And um, you can certainly feel the love uh, at the end of the show for the bows and so on. I mean, mm-hmm. it just seems like such a joy to be involved with. Yeah, like 
the the cast is relatively um small which means for like tighter sort of relationships and friendships also it the ensemble are such an integral part of the whole thing like you said there's lots of bakeography and there's lots of propography if you want to call it that <laughs> and basically if if one person sort of makes a mistake everyone else will very quickly have to pick up the pieces because even just the passing of of a fork or some sugar or some flour is so integral which i think means that everybody's got each other's backs mm. which is a really lovely feeling um also the band are on stage with you which i think is super cool and that makes again for just this feeling of uh, of us all being in it together i tell you what if you don't know the show i bet you know the song sarah borellis is just a fantastic artist and songwriter every song is a fabulous song in this show yeah. it really is one you should go and see when it comes to curve in january Before before then, of course, we're going into Christmas, of course, aren't we? So, Chelsea, how, how will you be spending Christmas? Because you're on tour, but presumably you get Christmas off. Yes, there is a Christmas hiatus. So um, I'll be doing the same thing I do every year, which is uh, I have quite a big family. So we all just go to my nana and granddad's house. And we have a huge lunch and uh, we swap presents and there's just lots of watching films, playing games. We get very competitive, which I love. I'm very competitive as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, just a lot of eating, napping, watching telly and just having a laugh, really. I absolutely love Christmas. It can't come too early for me. I'm not one of these people that hates that it comes sort of pre-December. I'm like, bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> well, listen, I think between us, we've invented a new word on the podcast this time, bakeography. There's plenty of that. <laughs> There's some great songs. It's a fabulous show. It really is. So make sure you go and see Waitress when it comes to Curve at the end of January. And Chelsea Halfpenny, thank you so much for joining yeah. us and a Merry Christmas to you. Yes, Merry Christmas to you too. I'm afraid that brings another episode, in fact, a year of episodes to a close. Don't forget a chorus line and the smeds and the smooths run until New Year's Eve. Thank you so much for listening in 2021. And don't forget, if you don't want to miss any episodes in the future, remember to subscribe through your favourite podcast app or go to curveonline.co.uk. On behalf of everyone at Curve, I'd like to take this opportunity to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and to thank you for the support you've given Curve in 2021. And finally, don't forget there are lots of exciting things coming up at Curve in 2022, including the Rocky Horror Show, Waitress, Beautiful, the Carol King Musical, the Osmonds Musical, Bedknobs and Broomsticks, Billy Elliot and many, many more. And I'll be back to talk about all of those with much more Curving Conversation next year. I'll see you then. Curve.